All good on your side? Word. Hair? Hair's good? Hair okay. looks wonderful. Okay, great. Looks like you spent some time on it. I didn't actually. <laughs> just, my, my hairdresser does, so I don't. Um, okay, great. All right. Thank you. Good? everyone, welcome to another episode of The Steel Entrepreneur Show. This is episode 35, and I have the man, Brady Damer? Dahmer. Dahmer. Yes, yeah, yes. Fuck. Yep. I, I knew I was going to screw yep. that up, but I wanted to do it myself. I didn't want to <laughs> yeah. ask you before. I've got a, um, as always, I, I've got a little something I want to yep. read here. Um, I did this episode uh, verify that it was correct. Uh, and there were some bunch of stuff that wasn't correct. So he's got a buddy, Christopher, whom I spoke to. Yes. And he fed me a whole bunch of bullshit about It's Christopher's, yes. <laughs> so this is going to be an interesting interview because I have been fed uh, potentially a bunch of garbage. So we'll see where it goes. On today's episode, we have a hell of a guy, Brady Dahmer. Yep. Nailed it. Brady is the principal and founder, or a principal and founder? The, a principal and founder, A principal yeah. and founder at the Central Branch here in Vancouver. It is a strategy and branding agency. Brady grew up with Mennonites in Ontario, yet turned out an artist, interestingly enough. He's a cow tipper. Thanks for turned, <laughs> turned businessman <laughs> and is relentlessly curious He's described by friends as, or rather by friends and colleagues as wildly social, fiercely compassionate, and one of the most connected people you will ever meet. Brady, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. I am awesome. uh, very much looking forward to this. So Yeah, you know, I, I, I tend to focus more on people's professional life, mm-hmm. but I think in this one, after talking to Christopher, and now I'm worried, um, but also after talking to Jordan, I kind of want to focus more on not so much the business side of things, mm-hmm. but more the stuff that you do um, that you do outside of business. Some of the net, well, I guess networking is kind of business, but it seems yeah. like your approach is is just different than than anything I've ever seen before. And I'll, I'll mm-hmm. go into um, I'll go into it a little bit more. There was one particular moment that it really shined. Okay. Um, hopefully, I'll remember to talk about it, but. How would, um, where I like to start, is I try to put together a little paragraph yep. on who I understand you to be. Yep. How would you describe yourself both in a personal sense um, as well as um, in a sort of business, more professional sense? Uh, great question. Um, I think, you know, whoever, whoever suggested that, uh, again, I've, I have a great passion for the arts, mm-hmm. um, very community-minded. Um, I've always... Uh, because again, you mentioned uh, growing up with Mennonites, it was very community-based. That you know, I believe in in building, growing a, a big, large, strong community of people. And for myself, it's you know a lot of what I do and how I've grown my business is very much based on that. So my business is very much a reflection of my personal life on that side. So they they both basically are reflect each other in that way. So that's okay. kind of a, a simplified version of it all. Okay, so that, I think that kind of explain sort of the, your, your personal approach, but as, or rather your, who you are as, pers- as a person, mm-hmm. but as a, as a professional, as a, um, a branding specialist, as a, a strategist, as a web designer, yep. I think I just gave it away, but how, how would you, how would you put that? 
Um, well, all of those things are, are basically a, an execution of the final product. I guess um, I am just curious about everything. I am you know, a super nerd when it comes to learning about all, all aspects of design. And I think that you know, uh, I've never really intently drove into one industry in particular because I love everything that architecture has as a reflection of um, what, what painting is, what you know, um, industrial design is. Um, all the aspects, like we live in a world that's been kind of designed for us. And I love how uh, somebody solved that problem of, you know, how does, how does a, you know, putting a, 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 like a holder on a cup, you know, so you don't burn your hands. All those little things, I'm always like super innately curious about, you know, what, you know, what maybe that process was so that I can kind of reverse engineer it. So I love how stuff is, is, is made. Um, I was the bane of my mother's existence growing up because I would have toys for Christmas and a week later I'd be, you know, unscrewing the screws and tearing them apart and seeing how stuff works, yeah. you know, and that for me is um, uh, how I love to design. I love seeing how stuff actually in this world works that we can, uh, so I might be able to build and design something better. So in that, in that aspect, that's kind of my, my design philosophy. What so, do you think drives yeah. that curiosity? Uh, yeah, no, good question. Um, I love a, a problem solving. You know, loving seeing how, how stuff works. Um, when you go to, you know, growing up on a farm or growing up with, you know, in a space where if something breaks, you don't, you have to, you have to problem solve then and there with whatever tools you have. So in that, it's about uh, seeing what's handy and using your, your ingenuity more than just uh, being able to, you know, go to the store and buy something. Like when you're on a farm, you have to figure out how to, you have a, some chicken wire and you have a, you have a pair of pliers and you got to fix something. You know, so how do you how do you get around fixing? You have to become that engineer of, of uh, of a problem, right? So do you think? Um, I, I remember. I'm certainly more curious today than I was, say, two, three, four years ago. Now I I I, I sort of take the steps required to acquire the information that I need mm -hmm. to solve whatever problem. But before I, I was, um, just not so interested in doing so I kind of like you know what I will figure I will, I will do this my way yeah. I'm not going to look at how other people have done it before me or anything like that I'd I'd love to have been able to go back I'd be able to go back four years and teach myself how to be more curious mm. how do you if I could do that how do you think I would go about that well you know let me sort of answer that the way I sort of came up with that is that uh I was always, um, as a designer, um, as somebody who needs to create, just like you do on a regular basis, yeah. I was um, scared shitless of the, the white paper syndrome, like having, having writer's block or designer block or content block. Is that what white paper syndrome is? When you have that white paper and you're sort okay. of like, where do I start? Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, in all of that. And that's for me, I was, I was more afraid of, of that than, you know, I, I, I was trying to find ways to um, problem solve. So I'd always have a backup sort of process you know, of, of coming up with a possible answer. Yeah. So for me, it's um, being able to basically make sure I, I met my deadlines, you know, at a certain level of quality that I wanted to, you know, give to my client. And I never really wanted to be stumped. So I never really wanted to have that, that you know, working till midnight that night of the deadline and not having an answer for a client or not having a solution for the, for the client. So my, I guess, you know, my, my years in design in, in school was all about finding multiple processes to actually, you know, make sure that that never happened. Because that for me was, it came out of fear yeah. of not being able to produce something. So that, uh, you know, being, being, you know, finding different ways to do it, that was kind of, uh, 
it was it was sort of fear. Actually, it was fear based more more than anything else. So how do I come up with answers? Okay. Yeah. So and that's for me. It's um, why and again it come it comes from reverse engineering things, looking at people about looking through projects and. I tell, you know, I used to teach at, um, at the Art Institute and I tell all the designers that if you really want to become a good designer, figure out what made a really great design as powerful or as impactful as it is and reverse engineer it, yeah. you know, and not always, it's not about copying it, but it's about why does it work, you know, and start to deconstruct deconstruct it, right? Because yeah. once you deconstruct all those things, it's like Lego, right? You can put it in, in a million and one different ways, but you can always deconstruct it and build something new, right? So, but your pieces are always there. So once you have all those pieces, um, it's really about how, what do you want to build and how you want to you know, put it together to solve a solution, right? So that's probably the best analogy um, that I kind of have of that. So You seem like, a, um, from, from what I've kind of learned so far yeah. and, and just the interactions that you and I have had so far, you seem like a guy who's constantly trying to, um, for lack of better phrasing, evolve. Mm-hmm. Always trying to just level up, find, you know, add that little bit more of expertise or have that conversation so you can add that little something else to your arsenal or to your, yeah. your toolbox. Do you think it, is it, is it your curiosity that drives that or is it something, something else? Yeah, it's curiosity and I'm always, you know, I, I was, I have a business coach as well and to some extent, um, she made it very aware as of late that I don't normally, I always look back at my achievements because I, mm-hmm. you know, once I build something and create something, it's on to the next thing. You know, Do you I was, celebrate your achievements? When no, I don't. And that's something that's been very, uh, very aware of as, as this cop car goes by. <laughs> um, something I'm very, very aware of um, that I don't, you know, yeah. and it's sort of being able to, to, see, to see one's achievement. Um, and that's something I'm trying to focus on more now too because it's, it's just being able to be present of what's, what's been done and what you've, you know, we can achieve. So I am always pushing, but a lot of it's just, you know, um, next it's that curiosity, you know, what can I do and build and, and the interest in life and, and things like that. It's do you sort of, find that, um, as you're, as you're curious and as you're trying to, um, to acquire knowledge so as to evolve, how, um, how do you, do you take, I mean, it sounds like you don't take a lot of time to celebrate the wins, and mm-hmm. I can certainly relate to that, but how do you, what's your sort of technique, for lack of a better word, to taking the information that, that you acquire while you're trying to, quote-unquote, evolve, yeah. and actually putting it into action? Because it, it seems like, for me anyways, it's one thing to, acquire the knowledge yeah. and it's another thing to actually put it into practice and, yeah. and it seems like without actually putting it into practice more times than not I just I lose it essentially yeah. it's, it's kind of in one ear out the other and, and it, it's gone yeah. How, do you find you have to discipline yourself to, to take action or um, I find it it's, it's trial and error you know yeah. because we really you know each one of us is, is kind of you know set up in a certain way based on how we've learned in the past you know, um, how we learn, how we, you know, basically keep information, you know, uh, how we function. You know, some people are very literal, some people are very analytical. So how does, you know, um, looking at setting up, you know, there's a million and one ways to figure out how to introduce new habits into, into your life. And how do you, what are, what's the right way to kind of engage or how does your brain function? So a lot of it comes down to understanding oneself. 
you know, the biggest thing is know and understand how you would be able to adopt some of those habits or what would work. So how do you um, do it? Uh, reminders. So, uh, you know, right now I've got a, um, a book that I, that I love. It's a journal. So yeah. one, of, one of two ways. So I've, I have a regular calendar, but I have a journal that I keep all my notes in. Um, and is I, it's like just a, just a journal with blank pages or is it a more structured it's, type? It's a structured one. Yeah, no, good question. So I've, I've found a really great one. Um, it's the best self journal. Okay. And it's a, it's a day-by-day journal um, with everything from gratitude to goals, achievements, um, reflection, places where you can reflect, to a schedule, to basically being able to book your time to see you know, how you're using your time on a day-by-day basis. But, um, and also, too, I use, um, I use a fountain pen when I write. Um, I've sort of found that in using a fountain pen versus a, a pencil or a Bic that... Uh, I have to. What's a fountain pen? A is fountain that, pen is like an old sort of. Is that like kind of a fountain pen? Or? Yeah, it's sort of like an old fountain, like a okay. like a Mont Blanc would be an old sort of oh, like okay. fountain pen, or you know, an old you know, in the old days you would bring out the feathers and, and dip it in, <laughs> dip it in ink and write. Do you in have it. the feathers? I don't. I don't. <laughs> um, but I found that psychologically slows me down, you yeah. know. So I have to think, and I'm present with making those notes of, of whatever I have to write down. I find like when I have. Um, like a big pen or something like that, I tend to scribble. And when you scribble, it, it just, you know, uh, it's, like a, like it's like a flippant thought versus like when you have to write with ink, um, you have to slow things down because you can't write too fast. And so for me, taking the time and moment and presence to write all that stuff down slows me down and puts me in that moment. So uh, that's how I kind of capture a lot of that. And it's with a book and a printed page, you think differently than when you're mm-hmm. You know, capturing information on you know on a so computer. So that's how you diary. kind of retain the information. Is yeah. you, you make sure that you write it down. Yeah. And then what about the action side of things? So now it's written yeah. down. So what's the next step? Action thing is um, I use a lot of comp- you know I have, I have a couple apps on my phone that uh, for instance like, like for, uh, today. So today is today is an app that um, showed me that was that you that yeah, showed me, was, showed me. Yeah, tell yeah, me today. about that. So today is an app that syncs from the phone to my to yeah. my watch that will um, regularly. And on a schedule, tell me um, certain things I should be doing. You know, at, for instance, at 7 a.m. and uh, 10 p.m., it sends me a reminder to be grateful. So, so in the Are morning. Are you up at 7 a.m.? Yeah, I'm, I'm much earlier than 7 a.m. Hey, all right. Yeah. Um, but even it's just sort of some simple things like, uh, you know, remind yourself to be awesome. You know, some things that we forget in the middle of the day as we get stressed and things like yeah. that, that, you know, um, you know, Small little little sort of uh, I guess personal things, not so much business, but yeah. little things to you know to kind of uh, personally get over some you know if I'm stressed that works. So um, and also too, there's a lot of um, I have a really great business coach, um, uh, Farzana, and she helps me with a lot of. She's got some really great techniques on if I'm stressed or I have anxiety that um, she will. She's got this great one. If you want me to show you it? I'll show you too. It's it's one of if you have that stress or. Anything yeah. else, it actually calms you down in a in a heartbeat. So, yeah, yeah. I so. use alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> I do too, but this is something without alcohol that you could do literally, you know, uh, five minutes anywhere. And yeah. it, literally, what it does is using the psychology and basically the chemicals in your brain, it rebalances um, uh, what's going on in your brain. And so, some, you know, again, surround yourself with uh, a great group of people who. Um, know and learn and just keep on on feeding that so for me that's that's a huge thing is build your tribe you know mm-hmm. build that that community of people around you that um are on that same wave wavelength that want to you know do that so that's you know between you know deeply personal things that you can do to you know using technology but then also building this this group of 
you know, highly active, highly engaged individuals, um, is that's that's a, that's the trifecta right there. I want to um, I want to go a little bit back, and one of the reasons I wanted to spend a little less time talking about the professional stuff and a little bit more time talking about the personal stuff is because you grew up a lot differently than than anything I've read about, than anything I've heard about. Um, I remember when your buddy Christopher was telling me, I was on the edge of my seat just listening. Just, I could, like, just, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what it, So you grew up um, yeah. in a Mennonite community. Yep. Among Mennonites. Yep. Can you try and paint a picture of... Yeah. Of are, are we talking like horse-drawn carriages? <laughs> like what are we talking close, about here? Close. So. Um, and this it, is in, in in a certain part of Ontario. Yeah, it's just outside of Kitchener. So. Okay. You know, a lot of people there the are golden something. The, the, it's it's a golden horse. The, the the fruit. That's one of the best. But anyway, it's uh, near Kitchener, Guelph, London okay. area. But um, Kitchener Waterloo is the the close to there. But um, yeah. so Mennonites um, come with sort of two different sects and. I sort of talk about, you know, people relate this to a lot to Judaism as well. So you have the old order or the Hasidic Jews who still yeah. have the rings and sure. versus the, the, the new sort of the, the new order of Judaism, right? So Mennonites are very much the same. The older sex still goes by um, horse and buggy, um, no electricity in their home, no plumbing. Um, and the new sect, which has, you know, they've, they've all the conveniences of modern, you know, all the modern conveniences that, that one would have. So... Um, no, my parents had a plot of land out uh, that they'd purchased from from this Mennonite farmer, mm-hmm. New Order, um, okay. and uh, you know New Order. So had all the conveniences. Yeah, all the conveniences, absolutely. No so. different than say what we're in, kind of. Absolutely, now. yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, but still very much live live the the true on farm life. You know, um, uh, he was a cattle farmer. You know, big garden. It's you know they they'd owned the the property for well over a century. That was handed down from the family, so it had been in the family. Um, and you know, uh, me and my sister, after my parents, uh, uh, got divorced, uh, our family, me and my mom and my sister stayed out there. So we were, you know, to, for all intents and purposes, adopted by this amazing Mennonite family that was, that lived next door. Mm-hmm. So, uh, at which point if we weren't kind of eating or sleeping, we spent time with, um, this amazing family next door. Uh, so all summers are spent and we learned so much in the way of, you know, uh, I think, also, too, this comes with my reflection of you know how we should treat the environment of um, being able to respect what what you're what we're eating and what we're sort of you know the world around us mm-hmm. because a lot of it comes down to you know eating you know we you grow what you eat right so uh, a lot of our summers are meant canning various things picking off strawberries for you know afternoons at a time to make jam or pickling you know pickles for you know days on end so I that could we do have that. stuff to do I would be yeah. Into that. yeah yeah it was very calm and peaceful but. A lot of it comes in, you know, you have to put in that work to make sure that you survive, you know, the next winter. Obviously, now they can go out to the store, but mm-hmm. back in the day, that, that mentality and philosophy was still there. You know, the hours we had spent chopping wood just so, you know, so I would, it had a fire all winter long because that was, yeah. you know, how the home was heated, right? So um, a lot of that still sort of resonates with me today. It's like you still have to put in the work, you know, to, to make sure you achieve those goals. But what was even really more important, I think what's, what's kind of stayed with me is the community that they had. You know, because the cattle farmer, like, he would, he wouldn't, you know, he didn't have chickens and he didn't, you know, he didn't have a dairy farm. So you would depend on the rest of the community uh, for all the regular sort of things that one would have. So, you know, we would drive to the dairy farmer and get, 
basically raw milk, which is unpasteurized milk. So um, uh, straight from basically it was milked an hour ago and you go and open up the, you know, the big vat and you pour, you know, mason jars full of milk and you come home with it still warm and, you know, the egg farmer and Jesus. yeah. So um, that was it. And, you know, at dinner time, I would say go to the garden, get whatever is out there yeah. and you go to the garden, literally walk over next door and, you know, you pick whatever's fresh or whatever's sort of ripe in the garden and you come home and you chop it up or cook it. And, and your meal depends on basically what's available. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, cool. yeah, it was, it was fun. It was great. So, and, you know, you go to the stockyards and also see, you see the, you know, how, you know, the sort of circle of life to some extent, right? Because yeah. you buy things, right now everything's nicely prepackaged, but, you know, being on a farm, you know, as much as you can, as, much, as exciting as to buy you know, a herd of cattle, you also have to sell, you have to also send that cattle off to slaughter. And that was really, you see that sort of cycle of, of life. So, which is really, really interesting. So amazing. I mean, again, so fortunate to be able to grow up in that, in that and see that. So, which I think a lot of people don't get do the you, opportunity. Um, do, did a lot of people that, that you grew up with, or perhaps um, at the time you were, let's say, uh, when you were young. Yeah. Did, uh, did some of the young uh, folks that you grew up with that were part of that community, did mm -hmm. they just go straight back into the, you know, work in the land and, and things like that? Uh, some did. Some also, you know, a lot of the parents as, um, of that generation, you know, as well, just wanted betterment for the kids, right? Because yeah. it is tough. It is sure. really hard work, you know, and your life is dependent on how the weather, you know, that weather for that year. You know, so think of everybody that's gutting flooding right now or, you know, the rainy season, mm -hmm. um, crops aren't doing that well. So yeah. your life is kind of um, varied on, you know, what's going on uh, around in the globe. So a lot of parents were trying to push their kids to do, uh, to go to college and, and basically get a, you know, a white collar job, you know. So very few kind of went and, back. And, and you went from. to college. Yes. Yeah. Was it, from what I understand, it was like an agricultural college. Uh, it was, it was, it was very blue collar college. Yeah. yeah. But, um, the college that I went to, um, it was, you know, one of the top three in Ontario, you know? So the art program that was there had a hundred percent placement rate. It was, uh, number three in Ontario against all the, yeah. we're also talking against all the other colleges in Toronto. Um, but they only, um, they only brought in 32 students a year and we went through two rounds of interviews. You know, we had to we had to supply a portfolio, so we had to show work, and then we had to in person interview. What did you show? Um, stuff from like what were you doing stuff at from that high time? school, drawing. Basically, it was my uh, illustrations and stuff. Basically, art class. So okay. all the stuff you would you would um, you would have made in art class. But um, somebody asked me before, like when? That's a really kind of good question. Is like I knew um, in the first class, in basically my first semester in grade nine. Yeah. Uh, it was a class right after lunch. It was art class, and I took it just because everybody has to take an art class. I walked into that class, and that teacher basically turned me on to marketing and advertising because that's what his wife did in Toronto. So literally from grade oh, nine, the first yeah, the first week in grade nine, I basically knew that I this is something that I wanted to I wanted to do you know in my life. So everything was kind of then sort of you know sort of catered in sort of the projects that I did. Um, I was very close with the teacher and he helped me um, just work, you know, uh, create projects and work for me to help get me into these schools. So um, random story is that uh, uh, we made a bet at the end of the year um, as I was, I was, as I was uh, actually uh, submitting my, uh, I guess, applications to all these schools. Um, I told him that I probably wouldn't get into the school because it's very, very tough to get in. And he mm -hmm. bet me that 
I would get in, and um, he this says, is the instructor. This is this is my grade nine, basically my grade nine art teacher. Yeah. Um, and he was my, you know, basically my mentor all the way through high school. So I said, it's really tough to get into the school because they only, and also you had people from all of basically Southern Ontario applying to the school. I'm like, it's very low. You know, I don't think I'll really get in. And he says, I'll bet you that you will get in. And if I win, I get to shave your head. <laughs> so, um, what, were, what were your stakes? What did you get? I, I can't remember what the other stakes okay. were, but it was more of just like, you know, I get to keep my hair. So, so at which point, uh, yeah, I, I got the, um, I got the acceptance letter and walked into the school and, you know, uh, next day I sat in front of, uh, the entire, basically, uh, all art classes, nine through 13 at that time. And he brought out the shears and shaved my head. So that's a small story that not a lot of people know. So that from then on, it was just, uh, I've, I've always been passionate about this, this industry. So, yeah. Cool. So you moved out, uh, what year did you move out West? Do you remember? Uh, it was, it will be 14, I don't remember the year, but it will be 14 years ago okay. in September. So, gotcha. yeah. So you were new, had you, you hadn't started, um, had you, had you started working in, in marketing and advertising at that time? Yeah. Um, so right from school, I moved to, uh, right from like Kitchener, I moved right into, uh, to Toronto. So I spent eight years in the, yeah. uh, basically in, in the agency world in Toronto, which, okay. which is amazing. And then, um, I just left. Uh, and that's my friend Christopher. Um, he was essentially one of my first clients. And then from there, I told I, I, my, my new agency was about six months old at the time. I told all my clients that I had that I was moving to Vancouver because I was moving out here with, mm -hmm. with, uh, with my girlfriend at the time. And uh, everybody was really super excited about it. So I brought all my clients from Toronto um, out here as well. So that was, yeah. Why perfect. did you decide to, um, to start an agency in the first place? What, what was it that... I guess was attractive about that because I imagine yeah. you were gainfully employed at the time. You could have just kept going in that direction and moved up the ladder, moved to bigger agencies, et cetera, et cetera. You were in Toronto for God's sake. So you could have yeah. really, you know, moved up and got, you know, a big, big job. You're a talented dude. So what, <laughs> what, what did it? Peer pressure. <laughs> From? Uh, a lot of my friends and coworkers, yeah. you know, um, I was I was working at an agency and I got an opportunity from Chris to yeah. to do this, and I remember spending a week just asking people if if this is a right move to do, and basically everybody's just like, shut the hell up. If anybody was was you know, was made to do this, you know, was born to do this, it would be you. So do you take find the leap. You make decisions like that. Usually, you kind of canvas your your network and and see what they. Um, you know, I, I'd read somewhere that it's good to sort of get, you know, for big decisions like that. Sure. Um, and I'd broken all the rules because I hadn't saved up. You know, they say save up for three months. Have three months of salary ready when you're going to do your, your new business. But at that point, I was working on several boards. I was working on, um, I, I had a big network in Toronto, you know. And that was also, too, one of the things that kind of was exciting about Vancouver is, like, um, when I moved out here, I knew three people. You know, my girlfriend, my girlfriend's sister, and her brother-in-law. Mm -hmm. So basically, it's kind of you're being kicked out of the out of the you know the bird's nest, and you got to do it on your own. So, you know, in Toronto, I had a deep network of people, but could I replicate that in a place I really didn't know, um, didn't know anybody at? So, well, I want to dig into that. How? Yeah. How? I I went about it the total totally the wrong way. I sort of isolated myself when I moved here to um, to Vancouver, and I 
I was just in that sort of mindset that I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this by myself, yeah. and I'm just going to put my head down. I'm going to, <laughs> I didn't go outside a lot. I just, <laughs> I just focused on what I had to do. And looking back at it, I, I, while you know, things still ended up working out, I have no doubt in my mind that I would be miles ahead of where I am now mm -hmm. had I taken the time to, to get to know my city, to get to mm -hmm. know other business professionals, to get to know just other people in this in this city, how, when, when you hit the ground here in, in Vancouver, I mean, you did it, I'm sure you, you did it one way. How would you recommend, I guess, somebody go about a starting to establish that network? What would be sort of your yeah. first, say, three steps? Great, awesome question. I don't, don't really ever get... very long question. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly don't... Um, uh, I, I was asked this at the very beginning, but I haven't. Yet, no one's asked this in a while. But uh, you know, um, find a find a community and get involved in the community. You know, even when I moved from you know from Kitchener to Toronto, I really didn't know anybody short of everybody at the office. But um, my boss at the time, who is still you know, I still feel very close to. He's every time he he is in Vancouver, he he basically takes me out for dinner. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm still the, the the junior designer in, in his mind. Um, but he's been amazing. Uh, he got me involved when I moved to Toronto into a lot of boards. You know, he's like, you know, I'd, he's like, get involved in this, get involved in that. So, you know, as a designer, we're needed on boards for marketing and things for events and stuff like that. So I basically took that, that blueprint and moved that out here as well. So when I first moved out here, there were some business, um, some business communities I was a part of, but then I tried to find uh, community. How did you get a part of them? Like, how, what was that... How did you get that inroad? How did you approach them? What, what, did, what did that look like? A lot of them are paid. You yeah. know, you look at you know you look at things like BNI or you know sure. other networking groups that you know you don't really know what they're like, but you just sort of like you just go in and it's it's a it's if it fits your if it fits your model it it, it works if not. Yeah. But um, I found the best way you know for the for what I do is word of mouth, and so if I can be involved and execute, you know, I was on the board for you know the Vancouver Art Gallery and Associates. You know, I was I was making you know design and marketing pieces for for that for that board. So you get to meet a lot of people that way, and you mm -hmm. get to showcase what you do. And for me, it was that that giving back was um, so it wasn't paid. Wasn't paid. Yeah, no. it's it's all by donation. It's volunteer, right? Mm -hmm. So you kind of get what you love to do and give back to the community at the same time. So I love the aspect that it was raising profile for for the gallery. It was bringing more people in, and you know, which I think in a city like this, it needs that help, right? So got to kind of give yeah. a little bit to get yeah. a lot. Yeah. And also too, you know, when I first moved here, I I decided to, you know, build a lot of events that I didn't see, you know, I built uh, various sort of uh, events, you know, if you throw a party, a lot of people come, you know, so. Um, so, so you would organize events. Yeah. So I did uh, at the very beginning, How'd I did. How did you get people to, uh, what would, I, I've thought about organizing like a founder's dinner type thing, yeah. but for whatever reason, I just, I don't. And probably for the reason is, Okay, well, you know who who would I invite? Yeah. And it's probably not. I'm I'm sure I could get at least you know if, if I was actually practical about mm -hmm. it, I, I could get at least eight people to show up, and that's plenty. But for whatever reason, I'm thinking, well, you know, it's a lot of work. What if people don't show up, and it only ends up being like three people? And I guess who cares, right? You got to start somewhere. So how yeah. how how did you go about starting um, those uh, those those events? Not caring. Just yeah. doing it, you know. Um, 
again, it comes down to just thinking it through, putting out to doing a, not, not a test event, but putting it out to 10 people that you know that would really, you know, um, uh, you just want to bounce ideas off of. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that event, like the Founders Dinner, it's, you know, you find some key people to help you out. You know, I did a fashion photography exhibit and, you know, I just emailed every fashion photographer in Vancouver and said, you guys know more, you know, it's, it was, um, it was called Not Fit for Print and was about the photographers submitting their best unpublished work, yeah. you know? So for them, it was a, a platform for marketing, but, you know, the event was launching. Um, at that time, it was BC Fashion Week, and then all the money raised from the tickets went to, uh, went to local charity. So again, it was just, if you can, you know, if you can market it properly, position it properly, um, people will show up. So, and then for seven years, I did um, Projecting Change Film Festival, which What's was... That? Um, it was a, an environmental and social theme film festival. So okay. it was, it was like, um, and it came out of an idea like that we had, that I had worked on um, with TIFF in the sort of the aspect of, um, um, it was like a film and speaker. So uh, we found people are much more engaged and interested about, you know, um, cinema when there's also deeper educational learning about what they might see or they might get out of it. So it's, it's like the director's notes of, watching a DVD. So with Projecting Change, um, it was a four to five day festival in which we showed environmental or social theme films from around the globe. But after each one of those films, we'd bring up a local guest speaker to talk about the issues on a local level. So, you know, it wasn't some sort of big, um, uh, sort of when we're talking about water, so, you know, in Africa or wherever else, it's like, what are our water issues here in, mm-hmm. in BC? You know, um, bottled water, for instance, is a simple thing when there's all these water fountains and everything else. Um, in the city, or what are the issues with you know most of the water fountains being shut off in the city? Um, so we would deal with a lot of local issues based on maybe what some of the ideas and thoughts that these films presented. Okay, so you um, you held your own events, you gave you yeah. gave your time and your expertise. Yeah. Did you also um, how did you go about find or did you uh, attend like local meetups and things like that? Uh, well, we're going. That would be sort of for me. I would that would probably be one of the first things I would do is I would jump on like meetups.com or something yeah. like that and I would try and find some like industry relevant um, meetups to go to. Did you do anything like that? Well, we're going back 10 years, so yeah. not so much. Okay, <laughs> not yeah, so that much. wasn't around then. Yeah, it wasn't around. You just, you show up at events, you just sort of start looking at what's, um, again, this is part of just being really social and not um, being able to kind of throw yourself into things, not being shy. You know, you kind of have to get over that, you know, I don't know anybody, I just yeah. have to say hi. You know, and that's where a lot of, you know, I've, I've found Vancouver a harder place to do that than some of the larger cities um, because it is a little bit smaller, a little bit cliquier in, yeah. in some, with some demographics, but um, you just have to be fearless. You just have to be like, okay, this is, you know, you don't, the, the other person might be thinking the exact same thing, so you have to make that first move and say hi. So, and that's... Any tips for, for being more fearless, I suppose? Other than just doing it, yeah, you, you just gotta swallow it and do it. Yeah, I, I don't. It's just, um, it, it is. Like it kind of comes practice. naturally to you. Oh, yeah, practice. but it's just practice, yeah. you know. And you know, maybe you know, it depends on if uh, who you are. Saying, I need to meet ten people tonight, and that's how, that's my goal. So I need to go and say hi to ten people, no matter what. Or even yeah. start small. Start start at two, you know. Um, say I need to talk to two new people and um, find. You know, a, a tip would be find an event where. Uh, you can talk about something. So this is, you know, again, it comes back to that, that film 
uh, those film and speaker events is that afterwards we'd have like get-togethers or sort of like a um, drinks or like a party afterwards. Um, at, in that situation, people had a starting point saying, hey, how did you like the film? Mm -hmm. You know, so the meetups, um, they're great because there's a, there's a commonality of, of content. Sure. You know, you can come up and say, well, did, what did you think about that? You know, to anybody and there's no sort of, you know. You, it's not awkward. It's not awkward. Yeah, yeah, they help you break that down. So to start off, maybe going to events where you feel like the content there is something you're really comfortable with. So you can, you can start that conversation. Do you recommend, um, are there any that you uh, go to regularly that you that you'd recommend that you know our people are generally pretty approachable or um, man talks is great yeah. you know um, Connor what he's doing is is, is really uh, is pretty awesome he's got some sub events that you know deal with entrepreneurism um, Ted I find too all the Ted events that are around town they yeah. great speakers and again you can just walk up to anybody and say hi um, but uh, also to uh, um, the social concierge has just launched a new one um, uh, I can't remember the Superhuman Summit, okay. which again is phenomenal. When it talks, you talk about um, uh, it's in, enhancing, I guess, the the human condition. You know, that's an amazing one as well. So, um, and then you got fun ones that uh, you know, again, Social Concierge has a bunch of really fun ones like you know, Dayton Cup or Dinea Blanc, right? Sure. Those are fun social where it's just it's casual. Yeah. So, but uh, you got to find something that suits your sort of your personality and you know, what uh, we like to do, but even, you know, just create an event, start it, and you'd be amazed at how many people are just waiting for something to... For someone to, to start to, that to, Yeah, to, something to belong to, something or to for somebody to. to reach out. Absolutely. So, and this is what was just so popular with, you know, we had upwards, like, every year we had upwards of, like, 5,000 people t attending the, the, the film festival, you know. Yeah. Our first art event, it was, it got so large, I had to move it out of my apartment to, you know, a larger art studio. You know, we had well over two, three hundred people showing up at some of these events without, huh. without very little sort of, you know, it takes a little momentum, but once people know what's, what it's about, it's key, so. How do you, um, it's one thing to kind of meet people, to go to these, these meetups and then, and then meet these folks, but what I, what I find tricky is then kind of maintaining those relationships mm -hmm. or, or continuing to water those relationships yeah. should, you know, if we say the relationship is like a flower. Yeah. Um, how, how, one, how do you sort of pick and choose which ones you're going to kind of invest in, if you mm -hmm. do that? And then how, how do you continue to invest in that relationship so that it doesn't just fade away and, um, and, and die and, you know, all of a sudden when you're walking down yeah. the street, you just don't even look at each other anymore? Uh, again, it comes down to um, we, we, we can't water them all, you know, yeah. and it's finding those people that we really connect with. Who are those people that... Um, you know, as, as I, you know, get older and somewhat wiser, it's also too about that balance of, you know, um, being careful of not, um, just giving, but also being able to, you know, receive. So, um, you have to be in very reciprocal sort of base relationships. And that's something that I've learned, you know, to be very, um, aware of mm -hmm. right at the beginning of like, when you meet these great people, um, making sure that they are open to, you know, a very reciprocal based relationship. How do you spot that? time and just sort of being present in that conversation you yeah. know and that's you can you know the more you practice about just talk how do you talk to them how are you you know what what is their body language you know what are they asking for mm -hmm. and just being present in that conversation you know and that networking those events you know they're they've always been you know um people always think it's like it's basically it's everybody's firing cards off but you know it's about just connecting with one or two people during those events and 
and uh, that for me was was key of really getting down to know you know what drives that person you mm -hmm. know and uh, getting to the personal side of business not so much about the sales side of business and those are the people that you find you know you can kind of connect with you know um, what is what is their end goal and what are their passions and if they they connect you know no matter if they're in different industries then you know you, you know a good relationship will grow so being yeah just the more honest you can be in those sort of situations you know the further that will that will go so I found there's there's one thing um, Connor says he starts some of his events by saying is I think he says um, he wants everybody to turn around mm -hmm. to find somebody they've never met or talked to and to ask them how can I support you mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever 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 heard him ask that question or have him at, um, ask the the attendees to ask yeah. that question but I found what it does is it kind of gives you a follow-up you know yeah. it's like you find out what's kind of important to that person at that time how you might be able to to support or help that person yeah. at that particular moment and should you exchange information and I, I I think we were also encouraged to exchange information but it kind of gives you an opportunity to uh, to follow up to say hey mm -hmm. actually I can't support you but I, I know a dude or I, I know yeah. uh, I know a gal that can can help you and maybe maybe if you ask that question maybe if you make a habit of yeah. asking that question then it gives you sort of an excuse to reach out later yeah. on without it being sort of awkward and, and yeah. weird and it gives you an opportunity to give and then you can kind of see maybe if they're open to carrying on that relationship yeah. not necessarily give them giving something to you but just continuing that conversation or something like that it what is do you think a, of that? yeah no i think it is and you know i've you know, that's, that's always been like, you know, one of my, thankfully, one of my greatest things is that just having a deep and really rich group of people that I can, um, that I can, you know, so I guess support group, you know, that, that support in that way. But, you know, if somebody says, hey, do you know somebody in this? I'm like, I've got five people in this. What exactly are you looking for? Mm -hmm. You know, and that's always been, I guess, going back to how I grew up is that deep community of, you know, of people and how do they, you know, uh, what who they are and what their passion is and you know when you have when you get to learn who people are you really get to be able also to help that 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 other person in a, in a better way not just saying hey do you know that somebody that's social media versus like you know, do you know somebody that in that particular industry who's maybe launched a product on mm -hmm. social media being like in and asking you know maybe it's not a social media person they need to talk to right away but maybe it's somebody who has a product to say to give them insight on something before they're going to you know somebody at, you know, that just does a product or service that they might be looking for. So actually, I try to help them saying, I have people, but, you know, before you go, talk to those people. Tell me you know, more. Yeah, tell me more and um, get some mentorship in this area as well. You know, I found that highly, you know, highly valuable. Would you say you're a connector then? Yeah. You seem like somebody. Yeah, like, yeah. I guess super connector. and Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it is. And it's just, I'm always trying to find better ways to help people you know, get to where they are. And a lot of times people have just stopped what they're doing because they realized they didn't have all the pieces in place. So they were yeah. going to invest in a product or service. Meanwhile, you know, uh, they didn't have all the ducks in a row or they didn't have the, the other pieces in place to actually be able to take it even further. Or they, 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 they wanted a result based on something similar, but it didn't really kind of match up. You know, everybody sort of says, I would love to do a video like the Dollar Shave Club, you yeah. know, and how much they paid for that video. And it was... You know, but everything in that video was engineered to be that cheap, and you look at all those bits and pieces that um, it turned out that way. You know, it's 
they were able to make it for what they did because of what they had, you know, in you know, at, at arm's length. And not everybody does. Yeah. Right. So, um, why really try to rather than giving them a a person, try to find more mentorship for them, you know, guidance and stuff, because that was really what kind of helped me. I had some awesome, phenomenal mentors, you know, my entire life, and that's actually what probably the key to to all of this, you know, rather than finding really great, you know, service people, which you know are great at the end, but finding really great people who direct you to what's that steps to take? Where should you invest, you know, first and foremost? Connor once told me, and now we've dropped his name three times, yeah. <laughs> um, that mentors find you. Would you agree mm. with that? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, uh, yes and no, because I think you have to be at the right place at the right time. You have to put yourself in situations sometimes to find yeah, them. That makes and sense. that's sort of, they do. You also... Mentors find you too when one is open enough to ask for help, yeah. you know, and being in that situation, I think that's, that's the bigger sort of, um, yeah, again, you have to be in that right mindset, so, yeah. Makes sense. I want to, um, there's one particular thing, probably want to maybe finish this interview conversation off with. You were involved in a pretty serious bike accident not mm-hmm. too long ago. It was six to nine months? Was, yeah, last, last June. Last yeah. June. Okay, so almost a year ago. Yeah. How serious was that? Can you uh, walk, walk me through that? <laughs> it, was, uh, it was very serious. Um, but I, you know, I, I, in the grand scheme of things, I checked, you know, every fucking Lucky Checks box, you know, in that, in all of it. So yeah. um, I don't remember any of it because uh, just after getting hit, I got blacked out. Yeah. Um, really? And you don't remember the the event, really? No, I don't remember any of it. Shit. So uh, I woke up basically being unloaded at the hospital. So I remember yelling at. So I was on my I was my my bicycle downtown, yeah. and a guy cut me off. And yeah. at full speed, he saw me. I saw him. He kept on going, and I somehow ended up underneath um, underneath the wheel, and he drove over me and uh, over. And, over the shoulder, so he, he drove over the, sh- the shoulder and broke my collarbone and everything else. So, so um, yeah, it was. And again, I don't. The last thing I remember is my brakes squealing and the sound of me hitting the side of his van. So, but there was people that uh, that saw me and um, actually a coworker of mine, um, one of his employees or one of the per- people that he works with, uh, saw the entire accident just a, a fluke, you know, and. Uh, um, it, it wasn't was a just, hit and run, was it? No, he, okay. he stayed. Um, but yeah, the cops, everybody, everybody was called, obviously. And I got to say, our healthcare system was absolutely phenomenal because within, you know, just being unloaded from the, uh, uh, from the ambulance, I remember I had every test done to me, you know, just to make sure that I was, you know, okay, every, you know, um, x-ray, CAT scan, doctors were just coming in. And I was a two, it was an incredibly serious accident based on the fact of, what it was and you know no one knew you know how badly I was damaged because I was being run over no one knows what now but um that was uh yeah it's still dealing with both the physical and mental repercussions of all that and uh I guess a lot of people don't you know when they see that you're walking around you're healed there's still a lot of you know uh, a lot of stuff one deals with so um you know everything you know loss of life you know thinking about like a wheel was literally within inches of my head which could have been you know, devastating. I, well, I could have, you know, I could have could snap my neck to, sure. you know, I could be dead. So all of that, reliving a little bit, or thinking through that, there's a certain amount of um, need to figure out like what's your, what's the the bigger sort of, um, 
life sort of goals or what you know what what role you play or what do you need to play in life um the anxiety of uh what to do next sometimes you know um and also to depression is is very key is very it's especially as a business owner as well so um being and wanting to do more but when you can't it's it's a again it's I have an amazing coach that helps me deal with a lot of these, you know, mental things. But physical is one thing, but there is still very much as a business owner, as someone who is, has always achieved, who's always mm-hmm. kind of looked forward. When you can't, when you know, when you're used to taking leaps and you now you're you're kind of just shuffling, it's it's a little bit tough. And um, yeah, or when all you can do is shuffle, you know, it's it's kind of like let's go, you know. Think about all those kids who are sitting in the back of the van just like, when are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And it's sort of like, you can't, you know, that's, you have those little voices in the back of your mind saying, okay, let's go, let's go, let's go. Meanwhile, there's only so much capacity that your body and mind can kind of take. So, again, that weighs with the anxiety of what should I do? How should I do it? Because, yeah, again, it comes that old thing. Like, you never know when that bus is going to, like, come and scream down the, you never know when you're going to walk out and be hit by a bus. So, in this case, it was no a kidding. delivery a van. <laughs> so... But it wakes you up to a lot of stuff, which is which is great. So again, the oh, focus. How has it woken you up? Just like what stuff has it woken you up to? How do you do you live differently? What does that yeah. look like? Um, finding purpose. You know, what is it I'm supposed to do? So a bit um, more introspective, would you say? Yeah, introspective. Uh, not that I hadn't before, but really giving focus to life. You know, we we actually live. You know, how often do we actually reflect on the day that we've had, or the week, or the month, or the year? You know, the, they go by in a you know in a blink. You know. Um, so really being introspective of, uh, again, presence is a huge thing. Yeah. You know, everything, it should be about uh, being very cognizant of where you are and being reflective and, in, in, you know, being happy with what you have. You know, I've just actually read um, another great book. Uh, the, I can't remember, the Code the Extraordinary Mind. But again, the deconstruction of, like, rather than waiting, you know, to f- waiting to be happy in the future, you know, being happy right now with, hey, I've, I've lived through this, you know, I'm up walking, you know, I've had friends who've had even more serious accidents with more serious repercussions, like long-term repercussions. Um, and just being reflective of, yeah, we live a pretty awesome life right now. And be able to wake up with that every single day of, no matter what trials and tribulations are, we live in one of the best countries in the world, one of the best cities in the world, um, you know, and, you know, we are who are, you know, we've, we have great friends and family around us, right? So, um, so we're incredibly fortunate. Like you just think about what we have. So, being able to reflect on that in the presence, um, to be able to think of that, that's also too what kind of gets me up and and going every single day. So, how do you reflect on that? Like, what's your process look like? Um, gratitude journal as well. Yeah. That, that's you know the one like the best self book is you know it takes the best self book. The best self book. Cool. Yep. Um, so just something you can get on Amazon, or yeah, it's uh, they have their own website, so it's a journal. Okay. So Got it's it. it's a daily journal that you fill in, but um, it's kind of amalgamation of like the five minute journal and like a regular sort of uh, day timer. So they've kind of mashed the two together, and um, yeah, it's just every morning and every evening you sort of like look and reflect. Again, we don't really ever take time to think about what's been awesome during that day or what goals have we achieved. Um, so there's a, there's an area for gratitude. There's an area of like. Uh, what could I have done better? You know, so actually, and also to what... Kind of sounds like the five-minute journal. Have you ever seen that? that yeah, little, yeah. Little book? yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. So it's, again, it's this, this thing is like the, the, the gathering, but the, the amalgamation of both that. So, And also to what, I, what did I achieve today? So when you look, at, look back of, you know, today's being like, hey, I shot a, an awesome video, mm-hmm. you know, um, it, not being grateful, but hey, that was a great achievement to, you know, bring, um, 
bring that forward once again. And you know, how do you feel through that? Like, how did that yeah. make you feel? And well, that was pretty awesome. You know, not a lot of people get the opportunity to sit here with with you and talk about life and or have really great friends who you know um, who talk about you so highly. And some that you know obviously love talking shit, but you know, <laughs> but for the most part, you know that's also too what makes them makes them awesome and be able to kind of laugh and enjoy that 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 moment. So yeah, that for me is just just thinking journaling is is key because you get to stop and reflect because we don't you know, um, and it just it brings back you know there, there's been countless studies on how you know how it uh, positively affects you know the chemicals and the reaction in your brain so. Is that, would you say that's probably um, sort of your biggest takeaway from, from the accident is just to, to take pause? Yeah. Kind of look around you a little bit more, that kind of thing? Take pause and also focus. Like, so I, w- w- yeah. w- without me having to go through yeah, what you yeah, went yeah. through, um, how can I sort of skip ahead <laughs> and, and, and take what, what, what you learned from that? What, would you say pause, you said focus? Yeah, those honestly pause. You know, just just look at what you have and look at the future. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe to again trade that kind of trifecta of like be present in the future. You know, um, that's that's one of the biggest things is like we we rush through stuff or um, that's stop stop rushing, take that mm-hmm. pause and enjoy it. Um, feel good about what you did, but then really be determined. I was like, I love to create, and I would. I would be, you know, I'd, I'd have a million ideas, but what's really, look, what's going to be important for me in the next, in the next, you know, one, three, five, seven, ten years? Where do I want to see my life ending up? You know, work back from that. Because um, it hadn't, I was just literally, literally living, you know, week by week by week. You know, being in a world that we live in, um, you know, our industry, you know, we have weekly deadlines. So mm-hmm. a lot of it's not really like, we don't have yearly deadlines. You know, for our business we might, but we're always caught up in the weekly or daily deadlines that we have. So it's easy just to kind of get caught up in that in that mentality versus like, where does your company want to be in that year? Yeah. So a lot of it, I stopped, I stopped worrying about, not stopped worrying, I stopped focusing so much on my clients and also to readjusting my focus to say, where do I want my business to be? What do I want this to be in, you know, in a year, you know, three or five? Um, there was a great, again, someone was supposed to send me who they, who the author was on this, but in the, on the Tim Ferriss, um, Tools of Titans book, um, there's one of the stories is about, um, this one entrepreneur who says, okay, plan what you want to do in the next year to three years, plan where you want your company to be. Now do that in six months. Can you build what you needed to do? So rather than taking that time, mm-hmm. can you compress it? You know, um, so, so in do that, it in six months and then like maybe work back from there like yep. what what do I need to do to accomplish that in, yep. in six months so if you say in a year I want a company to look like this yeah so that would be like taking time but if you really wanted to do it and achieve maybe that you know I want to do you know half a million in sales so could you could you possibly achieve that in six months if you really focused on um, removing all the distractions in your life um, focusing on, on on what that looks like so that's actually a challenge that myself and other sort of business partner have as well is like could we, if we have a project that would take a year to do, could we, removing a lot of distractions, which we have, um, do that in a short amount of time? How could we better effectively use our time, you know, in business, in life, to maybe achieve something or, or do something that's sort of, you know, monumental? So that, to me, is really interesting. How have you gone from, one of the things I've, I, one of my questions start with my own experiences, mm-hmm. but... Um, I think they hopefully do a better job of explaining, but 
I find I'm not I'm, I'm not an artist in a traditional sense. Like I don't really. I guess I'm. I, I would say I'm creative and I like to build things. Yeah. Um, and so I find that sometimes that um, goes up against just having sort of practical business sense or being a good business person. Mm -hmm. Lock me in a room by yeah. myself and I will create. Yeah. And whatever I create, more times than not, will sell well. Yeah. But ask me to manage cash flow <laughs> and shit like that, yeah. and I'm garbage. Yeah. And it's taken me a very long time to just become even mediocre at that stuff. Yeah. Has that been a challenge for you? And if so, do you have any tips for, for, for sort of overcoming that? Uh, yeah. One of the first tips I, you know, business things I learned is like, don't do what you're not good at. You know, or that, that's really tough. Mm -hmm. um, so in all of that, I, I budgeted for a bookkeeper, an accountant, like people like that. So I wasn't, I was never really good at it. Mm -hmm. So I'm not either. So my brain wanders off, you know. And um, for me, it was uh, find something that's really that that they love just working at numbers. You know that they love that part of it too. You know, don't try to force yourself into this like little box of, of you know, trying to, to do it right. So for me, it was never. It was it was more about working towards being able to hire people to do those things that I wasn't really good at, because you're going to take twice the amount of time to try to figure out how to do all the books than somebody else. And you probably what is, do half the job. Then. Half the job, <laughs> yeah. you know. And what what you know, it's you look back at it like, what's your hours worth? What is your hour worth of time? Totally. So if you're taking twice as much time, could you pay somebody else not to do it? So yeah. when it comes down to it, just figuring out where your time is best spent, and that's just again, kind of deconstructing stuff, planning it out, you know, and that's, that was a key right from the get-go, so, yeah, I'm more of a, I'm, I'm awful at it, too, I don't yeah. really, I hate that but sort of side of it. fortunately, you hired the, the right people to do yeah. the right jobs right from the, right from the get-go. Using, using my, my network and people yeah. saying, who have you used in the past, who was great, and, you know, and, you know, you're going to get a few responses, so, yeah. I would have saved myself a lot of trouble <laughs> had I, had I thought to do that, yeah. and, and it, it's, it's embarrassing because my um, my stepfather is an accountant, yeah. and yet here I was trying to do my own bookkeeping and my own accounting. Like it's just totally ridiculous. Yeah. It just I just had this need to do everything myself for some reason, and it it bit me in the ass. Yeah, and that's, many times. Yeah, and it's uh, being you know having, having a few entrepreneurs you know around. I think that part of that was about you know watching them and hiring people that you know to fill those to fill those gaps that they weren't good at. So. Um, but yeah, man, it's uh, it's a struggle, and it really pains you when you have to like push yourself through these things that you don't really like doing. So, yeah, yeah accounting's yeah. accounting's one of them. Yeah, I've got um, sort of some wrap up questions. Mm -hmm. They they should be pretty quick. I'm gonna, given that we're, <laughs> Danny, how 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 far into this interview are we already? <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. Okay. That's good. It means it it, it probably will be interesting. Um, we talked about mentors anywhere already. I'll ask you this one. Okay. Advice to your 20-year-old self. Relax. Like Relax. It's, yeah, it's all I good. I hear that it's, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of pressure and stress that society puts on us. Um, you know, live in experience, you know. Um, I, I, I don't think I would ever done anything ever, any different. You know, I was... I just uh, somehow, you know, like a pinko, like a pinko, 
you know, little little disc. I fell. Yeah. I just really fell into the right sort of positions, and you know, I was. You know, sometimes there were incredibly difficult times in life, but you know, you also learn from them. You know, and you know, I grew up with um, very, you know, an, an amazing kind of family that just allowed me to kind of go do anything. They, mm-hmm. they weren't restrictive about stuff, but you know, that's that's good and bad because you can explore and you can do a lot of things, but also sometimes you get in trouble, right? So, or you, you find yourself in situations that you know, if you were more careful, but you learn from them. So, advice to twenty-year-old self: it's. Um, yeah, just relax, you know? What is the... I've never asked this one before. I like it, yeah. though. What's one thing you do that people think is crazy, and why do you do it? <laughs> um, I'm actually asking this one for a particular reason, um, sort of as a result of a conversation I had with uh, your buddy Jordan and some of the things you guys do together, like br- some breathing work and stuff like Stuff like that, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <laughs> um, no, I'm always, I'm always really interested about what some new stuff that comes out. And I think for the most part, when I, it's crazy, it's like I rarely say no. You know, I think the crazy part is, is that, you know, um, you know, working with Jordan on some projects, uh, we'll have an idea, and it just you say, could we do this? And like, I keep on up in the ante. Mm-hmm. You know, at which point, sometimes it might be, you know, cumbersome, fun, but. The execution's there, so I rarely ever sort of just stop at, you know, stop at level one, right? Mm-hmm. I, I like sort of like, you know, adding things into ten it. Ten times everything. Yeah, not, not even just ten times. You know, it's about adding, you know, uh, adding more into it. You know, I, I love projects. I love things that have um, sometimes look simple, but they have a lot of, you know, it's, um, what's a good way to, to explain it? It's um, finding not just one solution for it. I love ingenious solutions because sometimes you can use them for more, you know, is uh, for more things than just one thing. So I, you know, it's like this this, cu- this handle here. You can hang it by. You can, you know, there's all these different ways that, you know, this, ha- this hanger can be used. So for me, it's finding solutions without finding a solution without just one. Finding a solution to a problem, not just one solution to a problem. For me, I love finding, you know, how could this be used in ten different ways. So that's. Um, that's so I think not really people the answer might, to your problem. Well, I but. mean, I think people might find that crazy because, you know, a, a lot of people will just try and find the, the shortest route to yeah. some measure of success, whereas yeah. you will take the time to figure out 10 ways to success, pick the, yeah. the, the best one, even if it's more complicated, even if it takes more of your time, but still, yeah. you know, the result is that much better. And yes, you will have to work harder, but that doesn't matter. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it just, it's more interesting that way, right? You learn something out of it. And, you know, once, yeah, it, it's not saying no and be able to do something, you know, off the cuff or, or pushing yourself, you know? You know, when people say it can't be done, that for me is like, okay, let's, let's you know, we can figure out a way to get this done, yeah. right? But yeah, with Jordan, I love just finding new interest. Like we talked before about even like the mushroom coffee, like stuff about trying new. Um, new experiences, you know, that for me is, you know, <laughs> we, yeah, I was trying to get him to do, yeah, there was a, a Wim Hof method of breathing, yeah. which is really interesting. And, you know, trying it for a week, does it work? I don't know, you know, it's, but being able to, again, try and push things and not saying, you know, not just sort of just letting things just, you know, uh, it, I don't know, I, I'm always intrigued by so many things that, you know, that's why I'm kind of crazy. I've got this buddy who, um, He'll go for a 10K run, mm-hmm. and at the very end, he'll so he'll finish his 10K run. Then he puts on this Bane-like mask, 
okay. and it basically it 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 sort of restricts your breathing mm. to some extent, yep. and so you you're forced to have to calm the fuck down and control your breathing, and uh, <laughs> it's, yeah. it is insane. I've yeah. seen I've seen him. Um, I think he did like an Instagram story or something with cool. him on it. Yep. It's it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, nuts, it's, but yeah. he does it. Well, we, we think about it. You know, our bodies are just one big sort of, like, it's, it's an engine. It's a bunch of chemicals and, and muscles and stuff that's always being um, in, in constant motion. And, you know, I was sort of reflecting on this the other day. Is like, we, you know, how best to fuel our, our minds, our, you know, not just our cognition, but our, you know, we, a lot of the times do we focus on, you know, our mental, you know, how we feel mentally or mm-hmm. sort of like uh, physically as well, you know, um, and, you know, looking at if we were to build a society that was so focused on just an outcome of being a top performer, you know, would we have a lot of the stuff that we would have, you know, in our society these days, like McDonald's, for instance, or all the sugar, like all the sugar, or all the yeast, and all the, like, look at all those things that, for the most part, are incredibly bad for our bodies, <laughs> but yet, they're the most delicious things in the Absolutely. world, and yet, we, you know, we've, you know, we kind of don't really look at vegetables that often, or things that really fuel, you know, our best, our best self. You know, um, I know I perform and think I, I sleep better. I wake up faster when, you know, I don't come off, you know, I don't come off a night of drinking, for instance, or I'm not eating a lot of sugar or all that stuff. Like, you know, we had a birthday party last weekend and then for a couple of days I could feel, you know, again, we're drinking, yeah. we're eating a lot of sugar, a lot of like pastries and cheese and all like the, the most delicious stuff <laughs> on the food spectrum. But yeah, I could feel it. Like I yeah. feel my body being, you know, uh, almost like bloated and also like slow and um, inflamed, yeah. you know? I'm like, wow, that's just sort of like, you know, how do we, how can I change that so that, not that I'm trying to cut that out of my diet, but, you know, I really also want to look at, like, how can I achieve those things that I really want to, or if I want to do this, you know, how do I sort of shift my mentality of, of you know, finding, you know, a stick of cucumber, like a cucumber stick delicious, an afternoon snack versus, you know, going for, you know, that bag of chips and that pop, right? Where it's, it's satisfying for that moment, but yet, you know, the physical aspects of it. Yeah, is there's so, always a consequence. The consequence, right? So how do yeah. we kind of reprogram that? Again, that comes down to that, that sort of the, the idea of um, uh, just, just helping our, like, what are the, the habits that we have on a regular basis and reprogram ourselves. So um, so what was the question that you, I uh, want to make sure I don't sort of. You know what? I don't even remember, okay. but <laughs> I, I, like, I like what you came up with. Going anyways. on tangents of that. <laughs> so, you know, and looking at, at various things and, you know, I've, Again, finding really great stores here. Um, uh, a shout out to the guys at Body Energy Club. I've been going Where's to them. Where's that? Um, they're online, so they actually ship, you know, online. But they have uh, Davey and um, and Granville's one I usually go to. It's right beside Tim Hortons. But yeah. uh, huge. Like, again, I walked in right after my accident. I've been going there for like five or six years already. They're great. I hate to call them a supplement store because they are. You walk in there and it seems like everybody in that store is, has taken a you know, a, a course on nutrition. So everybody is like highly educated about everything yep. and they're really just trying to find you the best um, supplement to figure Whatever's out what... make you feel best. Feel better, yeah. So, um, you know, you ask them like, hey, I'm looking for a protein. I'm starting to work out looking for a protein. And they have, they actually have a list of like 20 questions for you based on, you know, your eating habits, sure. all, you know, your dietary habits, you know, what reacts, what doesn't, what time you're working out. They give a shit, you know, they're, yeah. they're amazing. And, um, and when I walked in after my accident, a couple of the guys that knew me there were just like, dude, okay, you know, and they started like, you need to take <laughs> this, and this, and this, and this. <laughs> Let's fix you. Yeah, and it was, it was great. And I got to say that 
um, every, everything that they suggested. And they're not just throwing through, you know, 50 products in sure, the bag. Sure. They're like, you take this with this, but don't, you, you know, they're just, they're all working to actually figure out a really good solution. And I got to say that it, it immensely helped my recovery, you know, um, but it, it wasn't cheap, but essentially I was taking a more natural version of all the stuff that I've gotten from my doctors. And it really helped with, um, with my recovery. Um, uh, you know, they'd give me a whack of uh, T3s, you know, to take because of the pain of, you know, all the sure. breakages and everything. And I got to say within, within two days, I was off those and just taking all the natural sort of um, anti-swelling and, you know, all those things, all the natural stuff. So, you know, they've been, you know, finding the right, again, finding those really great people and finding that network and your tribe, those, those people, that, the support group that you have. And I go back, I've, everybody I've sent there walks out being like, you know, that was a really great experience because they care, they give a shit. Yeah. You know, about what's, you know, they don't try to oversell you or anything. They just try to solve one problem at a time and build on that. So, yeah, so that's kind of where, uh, what I, what I sort of, you know, you find those people that really, again, these, these are incredibly deeply passionate people about what they do. You know, they're not some sales kid behind a counter trying to just, you know, he's making, you know, 12 bucks an hour just sitting there typing stuff in. You know, this is a group of people that really that care, that give a shit. So find those people, you know. And, uh, yeah, that's why I think, A, they've been successful and, you know, they've got the best prices in town as well. And they'll beat anybody, too. So, you know, which I don't know how they do it. I really don't know how they do it. <laughs> to do with why you've been so successful is you yeah. find other people who give a shit. Yeah. And you surround yourself with, yeah. with those people. Yeah. That becomes part of your, you know, that is your support group. You, people Absolutely. that you associate yourself with are people who give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just passionate about what they do. And so when you need help or anything else, it's, yeah, it's... You, you, you know, people come and go, but it's the people that stick that, you know, that are the, the like people that really, no matter what, those people who you don't see them for six months because they're headlong, you know, head deep into work, yeah. but they come out and then you're like, hey, and then it just, it's like nothing's ever, you know, like you just met last week for coffee or they got sure. 10 different things sure. or, you know, um, email chains of stuff coming in. You know, there's a couple of guys that right now um, we're working on sort of, again, uh, productivity, you know, and habits. And, you know, they read an article and they fire it off. So there's a group of us that just sort of like exchange articles as we read them and things like that. So, um, yeah, just that's that's key, finding those people that just, yeah, are, are caring about themselves, about what they do and, you know, about what they're going to be producing, you know. Well, dude, that is... I mean, I, I have a million more questions, but... We can do it in part two. Yeah, we can do it. In, in, <laughs> well, in, in six months, I'll come back and we can do a part that, two. That would be perfect, actually. I'd appreciate that. I think um, I think just finish up with okay. with anything that, that you want to mention, anything that um, you want us to link to or uh, shout out or anything like that. Um, yeah, no, nothing. I think we talked a lot about everything, you know. We didn't talk a lot about the business stuff. A but lot that was, of business that stuff. That was by design. Yeah, yeah, for me, you know, my life is business. And I think for me, the passionate side is more of my personal side anyway. I so that. I think that is, you know, business kind of comes second. And it, I've always found, like, the more I give on the personal side, the more my business becomes profitable on, on the business side. The you more know, you invest in yourself? And people. You yeah, the more I invest yeah. in, in myself and people, the more it reciprocates for the business side. And that, for me, is something we really want to watch. You know, it's, the, the business is not my life. That you know, seems one oh one, you yeah. know, but most people don't do that. No, it's it's yeah, they you know, um because it's they're they're more concerned about, you know, you hear this again and again from all the entrepreneurs, but stop always thinking about the revenue. You know, yeah. invest in, in really good people and really good sort of um the needs of your clients. You know, invest in all those really um 
soft skill sort of aspects of your business and you know the revenue will come so and that's you know fortunate to have learned that right from the go the harder you work the what you put in is what you get out you know from planting that seed to pulling out the carrot right so to bring it all the way back around to where I grew up that's kind of the more work you put in, the more typical life can be, an, right? And appropriate. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and very appropriate with the carrot. Yeah. Um, do you want to drop your, your website, uh, anything like that? Um, sure. Website is uh, thecentralbranch.com. Um, and also, uh, just drop me a line. Find me on LinkedIn. And uh, my email is brady at thecentralbranch. Would love to hear comments and thoughts um, or start a discussion. So thank you so much. I really yeah, appreciate, you know, the time and conversation and being able to share my story. So thank you. Well, you are, you're just one of those guys like the other day that, um, and, and, and this is, you know, when you reach out to this guy, he, he does get back to you. And you know, when I reached out about my buddy, yeah. um, Mark, who's looking for, um, for a new gig, you didn't just, you didn't just sort of stop there and say, yeah, I'll keep my ears open. No, you got on the phone with yeah. Mark. You, you got to know him a little bit like that. That I, says I pressured a him a little bit more because I said, dude, you can't just sort of like throw like a <laughs> ambiguous sort of like thing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I need to know these things yeah, yeah. And, and call me back when you know these things. Good. Right. Because I can't help you unless you're yeah, focused. He's in, a, in sort of a tra- transitionary period. It is. And yeah. It's a tricky spot yeah. to be, but um, everybody goes through it. Yeah, that they do. Go through I've it, gone through good. it, and it's been through the help of really great mentors and friends and the support group that's helped me through it. So, again, what goes around comes around, right? Yeah, so, man. yeah. So, cool. thank you. Thanks. Well, thank you, everyone, for, for paying attention. Um, thanks for your time. Uh, if you have any questions for Brady, um, just leave a question uh, in, in um, YouTube or Facebook or what have you. Um, and if you haven't subscribed yet, please do so. Um, but otherwise, thank you, Brady. You're and uh, we'll catch you on uh, episode 36. Great. Thanks, folks. Thanks, guys.